0: Welcome to the Ottawa University Chi Alpha Podcast. We are going to continue our conversation tonight. We kind of started last week about prayer. Prayer is important. Uh, Pastor Jared at Hope Anthem loves to say this phrase that prayer is paramount, which is a fun thing to say. But relationship without communication is not relationship. That makes sense in our worldly standards. Guys, if you've never talked to her, she's not your girlfriend. It's not, no, that's just how it is. That's truth. Ladies, if he's never talked to you, you're not dating. That's not how that works. There actually has to be communication of some kind. Will I talk to him online. Have you seen like, them face to face? All right, because sometimes it's just communication. Well, we won't get into that. Anyway, um, of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them, they asked him to teach them to pray. Now, they asked Jesus some other things, and a lot of them were kind of dumb, like, Lord, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand when you enter glory? And Jesus was like, you don't understand. Yeah, you're not getting it. But the one thing that they asked Jesus to teach them, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. How in the world are you, are you praying? They, they walked with Jesus for three years. They heard Jesus speak and teach, and he saw, them, he saw him healing blind people and bringing dead people, like not breathing anymore, back from the dead, and they're now breathing and walking around like a normal person. That, that's a weird party trick. Um, whatever, that's crazy. But the one thing they asked is, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? That should be something that sparks something in our brain. Like, okay, if the disciples who actually walked and talked with Jesus for three years on this planet, if the one thing they were interested about Jesus teaching them is prayer, maybe prayer is important. Maybe having communication with Jesus is important. And I said this last week, but a lot of times, a lot of people feel like, if I were to call some random person in this room out right now, be like, hey, you're going to pray at the end of service. Some of you immediately just almost had an anxiety attack. Like, don't you dare Valin told me. Um, but some of you are like, yeah, I can do that. But here's the, here's the reality. The reality of Jesus coming and dying on the cross, and we sang it earlier, the veil was torn before you, talking about the temple veil, is now you and I, just because my name starts with reverend, um, you and I both, we both have access to Jesus. We both have access to be able to talk with him. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, uh, depending on how you grew up, if you didn't grow up going to church at all, you maybe have never heard this. If you grew up going to like a Catholic or Lutheran church, you probably have heard this called the Our Father Prayer. Um, it's in NIV, so it's a little bit different. Um, if you grew up in a more charismatic um, tradition or whatever, maybe you've heard it called the Lord's Prayer. Okay, But this is where the disciples just asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, when you pray, stuff happens Um, So will you please teach us to pray? And Jesus just says this. He goes, pray like this. Awesome. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Now... That is a whole sermon. That last two verses is a whole sermon all by its lonesome self. I don't have time to do that tonight, so we're not going to necessarily go into that. But that's a great nugget of truth, because a lot of times people end the Lord's Prayer right here, "Rescue us from the evil one, but Jesus wasn't done with that sentence. I don't know why almost every single Christian tradition, when it teaches the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, ends there, because Jesus continues on with this, and that's kind of a big deal. We've we got to keep going, though. All right, so prayer draws us to be with God, not just for him. The whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross, the whole purpose of God sending Jesus' son to this planet, to this earth, was not so that you could do stuff for him. It was not so that, well, I'm going to go to Chi Alpha on Wednesday nights, once a semester. Hopefully, please come back more than once a semester. So I can check mark my box that says, I went. Or maybe that's how you feel about church on Sunday mornings. I have to go to church. I have to go to whatever it is, however it is you grew up. I have to go do this, whatever it is, so that I can hopefully make it into heaven. Listen, if if you think following Jesus is the the... The goal, the reward for following Jesus comes later. You've missed the point. Following Jesus, the reward for that, starts here and now. It begins here and now. Have you ever been in a place in your life where the stress is so high, where the anxiety is so high, where everything that is going on is so crazy and your brain is wanting to explode and you have nobody to turn to except for maybe a roommate or a boyfriend or girlfriend and they don't get it anyway. You have the opportunity and the option to speak to a creator who created your brain to work the way your brain works and understands you. That's prayer. That's talking with God. That it doesn't have to be this this awesome amount of words. And it, I'm gonna I love this word the soliloquy. All right, that's fun. Uh, putting neat wor- putting cool words together. I forgot your athletes. Um, can't use big words. I'm just kidding. I love you all. I'm sure some of you are great. I apologize. Uh, I say that, but I wouldn't even, I didn't even get an athletic scholarship or an education scholarship, it doesn't matter. But prayer draws us to be with God, this idea of walking through life with him. We practice this in Chi Alpha at the beginning of our Chi Alpha service where we pause for a moment, we meditate on the phrase, God is here. What if every morning when you got up, what if your first thought was, God is here and I can walk with him? There's a reason that I went back here and I highlighted these, these three phrases. This is an excellent prayer every morning. Just those three. Your name, your kingdom, and your will. That's an excellent prayer to start your morning with, if you want to. Oh, wrong direction. So we're going to read Ezekiel 37, 1 through 11. Now, here's the thing. I did not want to type it all out, so it's not going to be up on the screen behind me. I'm not going to lie to you. But that was the main reason. Plus, it's easier to read from the actual Bible, in my opinion, than trying to read it on the screen, especially when you're this close, because sometimes the words kind of mess with your head. But Ezekiel 37. Now, if you know anything or if you've heard maybe stories about Scripture, this is kind of a fun one. Uh, This is a really weird thing that happens in the Old Testament. If you've never heard this story, it's one of those things like, you've got to be kidding me. Why is that happening in the Bible? But you've got this guy named Ezekiel. Now, if you read the rest of the book of Ezekiel, it's some crazy stuff. He, Ezekiel, is a prophet, and he's calling out the people of God. In this point in time, it was the Israelites, those who were living in Israel and Judea. He's literally calling them prostitutes. Like, that's a bold move, Cotton. But he's, he's going around saying, Israel, you suck at following Jesus. You are terrible at following the Lord. You're like a prostitute. Here's the fun part about the Bible. He goes into graphic detail. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. The book of Ezekiel is definitely R-rated. Loads of fun. But this is a weird story in Ezekiel 37. It starts like this. Verse 1, we're just going to read through verse 11. The Lord took a hold of me. This is Ezekiel talking. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? If God asks you this question, what would your answer be? It wouldn't be this. Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that one. Or maybe that's it because Ezekiel was like, oh, sovereign Lord, only you know the answer. Like that's like, you grew up going to Sunday school and you're like, Jesus is the answer. Like, that's what Ezekiel just did there. Hey, Ezekiel, do you think these bones could come alive again? And Ezekiel's response is, Jesus. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. Only you, Lord, know. Verse 4, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the bones and say this. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you, and make you live again, I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and will you will come back to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse seven, so I spoke this message just as he told me, suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Some of y'all have just messed up your robes in this moment. If like Halloween's coming up, I get that. But like actual skeletons and bones all over the place, all of a sudden you, you're like, Lord told me to speak this prophetic message. So you begin speaking a prophetic message and bones beginning rattling around and putting themselves back together. This is a ridiculous story. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And I wasn't freaked out at all. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh form over the bodies or over the bones Then skin formed over their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say this, and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bones so they live again. So I spoke this message and he commanded me. And the breath came into the bodies and they all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. Then he said this to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. We're just going to stop there for tonight. But there's a, it's just, the Bible is full of these crazy stories of stuff like this happening. Now, if you've never heard that story before, that's a weird thing to be reading about. Let's say you begin this whole journey of speaking to the Lord. The fun part about speaking to the Lord, if you begin this journey about speaking like speaking to Jesus, I'm telling you right now, he will speak back. Now, more than likely, he's not going to have you speak to a valley of dead people and say, hey, dead bones, come back together, cool, and do all that stuff. Maybe he's not going to do that. Probably won't do that. He might, who knows, it's happened before. But the crazy thing about the story is not the dead bones coming back together and then muscles forming over the dead bones and then skin forming over that and then breath coming back into those bodies. The crazy part about this story is that this is a, uh, a type. This is an image of you and me. Without the breath of Jesus Christ in our lungs, without being able to walk and talk and breathe and speak with Jesus, Without that, we are just dead bones, dead, dry bones. The amazing thing about listening to the word of the Lord and then speaking is that you can have life and life more abundantly. This is not a getting out of hell free card. If That's not the goal. The goal is to walk and live and move and breathe in the name and the peace that comes with Jesus Christ. That's the goal. It has nothing to do with, well, I've got to stay out of heaven, or I've got to stay out of hell. <laughs> Don't want to do that either. Don't want to stay out of heaven. That's a bad idea. Got to stay out of hell. I better make sure I do the right things. I have a few truths, four of them to be exact, that we're going to walk through. First one is this. We do not need to make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. Nothing we do changes that. These are truths. Now, no matter where you are in your journey, this may be a difficult, these four truths that I'm sharing with you may be difficult things to hear or may be difficult things to understand, but just because you don't claim Jesus as Lord doesn't mean he's not Lord. He's still Lord. This makes, this is going to bother some people and I'm okay with it because it happened with the last president, and it happened with the current president. After the election, people said stupid things like this. It's not my president. Are you American? Yes, he is. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. Now, this may hurt some of you, but Joe Biden is your president if you're an American. Sorry. The last guy, Trump, he was also your president if you're American. Saying he's not my president doesn't make him not your president. This is also true with Jesus. Just because you don't say Jesus is Lord over your life does not mean he's not Lord. He's still Lord. But this is what makes him a good and faithful Lord is that he's not going to come after you and tell you what kind of a terrible person you are for not following him. Now you may do that to yourself, but he will never do that. We need not urge men to accept him. He is wholly acceptable. We are not. Have you heard this phrase? You just must accept Jesus. I must accept Jesus. Now, I have said this phrase, by the way. Just accept Jesus. Hopefully not like that. We're in a southern accent. Because that's, the, I don't know why, that's the direction I go all the time. But we need not to urge men to accept him. He is wholly acceptable. We are not. The idea behind this one is that we need to realize that it is us that needs changed and not Jesus. This happens through having conversations with him. There are things about me. There are habits that I used to have. Some still have. But there are things that I used to do or not do that now that I'm married, November will be 12 years, now that I'm married, after so long, you learn that there are things that I do that are doing, that I do wrong. <laughs> I fold towels incorrectly. Not anymore. But I used to fold towels incorrectly. It, it wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to accept the fact that Brie folded them correctly. I needed to accept the fact that she was the one that folded them correctly, and I needed to learn how to fold it correctly, not my way. Yeah. What? <laughs> but this is the same truth with Jesus. We don't accept Jesus. we like, oh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and accept him into my life. No, no. A healthy place is when we realize that we don't deserve him. You don't. I don't. I could spend the next 30 minutes praying and I still don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve that. That's what makes it a gift. That's what makes his death on the cross so wonderful. Number three, we need not call others to find him. He is not lost. He knows where he is. (laughs) Let's, we just, you know, I just... You've heard this phrase. I just need to find myself. hmm. Good luck. If you don't know where you are, let's have a better conversation (laughs) at another time. But we we talk about this all the time. I just I just haven't found Jesus, or I've I've found Jesus here, or whatever else. He's not lost, y'all. What does this mean? This means that we are, that I am. I'm I'm the one lost. Not Jesus. And the last one is this. We are the ones with the problem. We are the sheep gone astray, turned from him. All four of these truths are basically the same thing. Salvation is not something that Jesus is trying to grab a hold of us and throw at us. Salvation is something that you have to accept. If you're drowning in the ocean and I throw you a life preserver, or whatever else it's still your choice to grab it or not the lifeguard did everything he or she could by getting that life thing to you to save your life if you choose not to grab a hold of it that's not on the lifeguard we would never blame the lifeguard on that well he could have tried harder he hit you in the head with the little round thingy <laughs> knocked you out and you drowned but uh, but he threw these the, he tried to save your life if the life guard comes out and grabs a hold of you and tries to drag you back in and you fight him and you try to elbow him in the face or whatever else it's not his fault that you died it is ours the choice is ours the choice is ours to talk to jesus or to not this is why again at the beginning of every large group chi alpha we pause for a moment and say god is here why so we Change our understanding. We change our understanding, whether it's our head or our heart, to recognize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is in this place. You are right. Your past, your present, and your future don't deserve him. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins don't deserve him, and yet he's there for you anyway. That's the joy of it. That's the idea behind this whole thing—that is salvation. Now, salvation again—it is saving, but it's again—it's this relationship that begins through prayer with talking with Him. Man is guilty, not just helpless. Great line. <laughs> I'm guilty. Romans eight twenty-eight tells us this: "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." Now, you may be struggling with a very particular sin. You may be struggling with something in your life, in your heart. You may be struggling with that. Going, you know, I I like this. I don't know if I want to give it up or not. What's great about Jesus is that in those moments, he's still saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Even in those moments my challenge is still to pursue that relationship with Christ. You don't have to have a man or a human being to tell you what your sins are. You don't have to. I promise you, if you spend time with Jesus, you'll begin to know it in your heart and in your head. Because if you talk to Jesus, he will talk back. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. This is right before. This is what's cool about this. This is right before, the chapter right before we just read about the dry bones. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. When we enter a relationship, this side of heaven, when you enter a relationship with another human being that isn't already family, there begins to be these, you begin to compromise, not be compromised, but you begin to compromise certain things. Maybe one of you loves McDonald's and the other Burger King. Hopefully both of you will get saved because both of those suck. But (laughs) let's say that one of you loves Burger King and the other loves McDonald's eventually you're going to have to figure out that that's not a fight worth fighting because, like I said, both are terrible. We're going to find a different... We're going to go to Wendy's. I don't know why, but um, it's the only other option in this town. But that would be why. <laughs> or Taco Bell, you know, because who doesn't like diarrhea? And <laughs> So we read... But we read this verse, thirty-six, twenty-seven. What is this? And you will put your spirit in me so that I will follow your decrees and be careful to obey your regulations, this is where our human spirit bucks up against the gospel. Because you are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I like what I like. I'm not about to change who I am. God's not forcing you to change who you are. He won't. Bree did not force, well, Bree did not force me to change <laughs> How I folded the towels. As far as the police are concerned, there was never a gun. (laughs) There are three. Um, But there was never a coercion of forcing me to fold the towels differently than I've always folded them, by the way, which is crumpling them up and throwing them in the drawer until you need it, or rolling them somehow. I don't know, folding them, whatever. You know, you guys know, because probably most of you have that somebody in your family, probably your mom, maybe an aunt, I don't know, that has a very particular way of folding their towels. And if their towels are not folded correctly, you hear about it. But this is the joy. This is the joy of surrendering yourself to Jesus, because it's not that he's going to come after you and force you to fold your towels one way Or another but as we begin to soften our hearts towards him then the spirit that he puts inside of us it will draw us to want to follow his decrees and be careful to obey all of his regulations Philippians 3 7 through 11 says this and this is New Living Translation this is actually part of where we get this idea of we want you to encounter Jesus is from this portion of Scripture I once thought that these things were valuable. This is Paul talking, by the way. So the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians, or Philippians, sorry. (laughs) He also wrote Ephesians, but he wrote Philippians. And Paul just got talking about how he was, he was it, y'all. Like, I am the most Christian of all Christians, is basically what Paul is saying. Uh, No, he wasn't. He's saying I was the most Jewish person there possibly could ever be. He was talking about his family and his record, his, his educational history and all these things like he was from the right tribe in the right family of the right tribe and he went to the, all the right schools and he knew all the right things. He knew all this stuff that in human eyes would make it appear that he was right next to God. In human eyes, he had that R-E-V before his name. That people sometimes thought he was right next to God. And then this is Paul. After he's listed all of these things, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. The Greek word there is scubula. Isn't that fun? All right. Um, So so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. This is what it looks like when you say that you're a follower of Jesus and now you are trying to force yourself to do everything that you know is right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to church on Sundays. I'm going to go to Kyle and I'm going to be involved in all of the small groups, which you can't be because some are just guys, some are girls. Um, But I'm going to do everything I possibly can do to prove that, that I love Jesus. I'm telling you right now, if every single day I tried to prove to Bree through my words that I loved her, every day I informed her of how awesome I was because of how much I loved her. <laughs> uh, I, am, I am a... Babe... It is amazing how much I love you. Like, I am so awesome at how much I love you. Oh, I spend so much time with you. I am amazing. Do you know how amazing I am for loving that lady? Do you hear the narcissism? I hope so. Some of you are like, no, that's normal. (laughs) No, it's not. But we do this too. Man, I go to church all the time. Oh, you go to that church and not my church? Well, that's not good enough. Oh, you you only go to church on Easter and Christmas? Oh, well, mm, pagan. Or whatever it is. I don't know. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. This is me walking in faith. It's just saying, Jesus, I want to have this relationship with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm just going to walk in faith. And this is where we get the encountering Jesus part. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. One translation says knows to know the infinite power that, of Christ's resurrection. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want you to experience Jesus. Not read about him, not hear about him. I want you to experience Jesus and then Paul gets, gets deeper. I want to suffer with him. Okay, Paul. Sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. It kind of gets, not dark, but deep. Paul wants to experience Christ. All of these things that you thought were Righteousness. Paul went through this list of all these things that most human beings would consider righteous. Well, I'm, I belong to this church and I grew up going to this church and that church and my grandpa was a pastor or whatever else. I'm ama- I, am, I am an amazing Christian. That's no different than me going, babe, you, you should love me because of how awesome I am for loving you. That's what we do. And yet Paul is saying, all that, all that's crap. All of that's crap. I want to know Christ and experience the power of his resurrection. Bow by your heads and close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your love, your grace. God, that you are so kind that you come after us. God, I pray for every single student in this room. God, that they would experience the infinite power of your resurrection. God, may in this moment, may your Holy Spirit move in this place. God, that you would begin to tug. You've already done this, but you are tugging at hearts, that you are tugging at minds. God, that you would show us that we are far from you but that you are so incredibly close that you want us to have a relationship with you.